Hello, this is the audio version of Better Strangers Book Recs. Uh, the topic this week is nature books that aren't stone-cold bummers. Uh, all right, so I live right by the beach, and a few weeks ago I had a pretty cool experience. It was rainy, so I went for a walk, and I saw a lot of cool ducks. And that is it. That's the entire experience. Getting out into nature a bit has been a, an incredibly pleasant experience for me. I spent much of my childhood in the woods at the bottom of our street, but I rarely saw wildlife beyond squirrels. Now, here on the shore, I regularly see hawks, migratory birds, and occasionally foxes, snapping turtles, dolphins, and whales. Seeing an animal instantly improves my day. I will usually go and find and read a book about that animal, uh, but half the time these days, nature writing is about the grief associated with climate change and how all is lost. I understand the importance of communicating the emergency, but also nature is still super cool. There is still really neat stuff happening, and uh, wonder and awe are what truly fuel our love of nature and our desire to save it. So here are books that didn't completely depress me about the state of nature, and at least one that kind of did, but uh, also gave me some reasons to hope. Number one is The Pine Barrens by John McPhee. One of my favorite things about living in New Jersey is that there's this massive swath of the state, the most densely populated state in the country, and smack dab in the middle of the massive mid-Atlantic urban sprawl extending from Boston all the way down to D.C., that is just empty coastal pine lands. New Jersey's pine, pine barrens have bad soil, which kept them from getting overdeveloped like the rest of the Mid-Atlantic sprawl, and they have a long history of hiding people who didn't want to be found. Revolutionary war deserter, deserters, runaway slaves, raiding pirates, and, as in The Sopranos, whatever bodies the New York and New Jersey mobsters needed to dispose of so that they'd never be found. John McPhee's book is a bit old. It came out in 1968, but it's still beautiful writing. He goes into the area's history, its ecology, and its culture. It's an amazing glimpse into the most maligned place in America's most maligned state. Number two, The Mushroom at the End of the World by Anna Lowenhaupt Singh. Uh, this was my favorite book of 2021. Uh, it's about the Matsutake mushroom, which is a type of fungus that thrives in desolated landscapes. It is rumored to be the first thing that grew in the ruins of Hiroshima after the atomic bomb was dropped, and it now thrives in the clear-cut pinelands of the Pacific Northwest. It's also a culinary delicacy in Japan, which means that people who know how to find the mushroom can sell it at a high price. The work is not entirely legitimate. Often, Matsutake foragers have to hunt on private or protected land, which means that most of the people who do this are on the fringes of society. Matsutake hunters include undocumented Hispanic immigrants, Vietnamese Hmong refugees, and far-right Vietnamese vets who have retreated to the woods and see the fungi as a means of remaining self-sufficient and hidden from Uncle Sam. Lohenhaupt Singh sees the Matsutake as indicative of how life can go on even in the face of environmental collapse, and the book, while dealing with some dark shit, is ultimately a hopeful and even a happy book. Number three, The Soul of an Octopus by Cy Montgomery. This, uh, the more we learn about octopi, the smarter we realize they are. Cy Montgomery's book, The Soul of an Octopus, is an investigation into the intelligence and personalities of these curious cephalopods. The majority of the book is focused on Montgomery's relationship with, uh, with octopi living in the New England Aquarium near her home, and her realization that different octopi have distinct and diverse personalities. Octopi's neurological wiring is enormously different to that of humans. Our common ancestor existed around 518 million years ago, but that doesn't mean they aren't smart. They seem to have evolved a totally different but still impressive form of intelligence that we are just beginning to understand. Number four, H is for Hawk by Helen MacDonald. While mourning the sudden death of her beloved father, falconer Helen MacDonald decided to train a goshawk. Goshawks are considered difficult, wild birds in the falconry community, and in the immersive act of training this bird to both trust her and to hunt with her, MacDonald was first able to blot out and then come to terms with her grief. 
The book is a meditation on loss and mourning, but the most spectacular bits of it are when she begins to see that there is more to Mabel than she can even comprehend. Mabel is the name of her um, of her goshawk. This is often a sad book, but it's not a bummer, uh, and there's as much awe in it as there is sadness. Number five is uh, The Sixth Extinction by Elizabeth Colbert. So hear me out. Technically, this Pulitzer Prize-winning book is about the human-caused sixth mass extinction of, of animals on the planet. It should be incredibly bleak, but I didn't actually find it depressing. Um, Colbert's book tracks the history of extinctions and also the history of humanity's understanding of how they work. For a long time, we didn't understand dinosaur bones because the idea that God would put a species on Earth and then take it off was inconceivable. His design was, after all, flawless. But as we begin to explore more of the world, we begin to find evidence of creatures that we just couldn't find anywhere. The concept of mass extinction events was controversial for a long time, but we now know that there have been at least five mass extinction events in the Earth's history. We are in the middle of the sixth. The reason that this isn't a depressing book is because of Colbert's very big-picture view. There's a very real sense in, uh, in which humans have always fundamentally altered our environments. Uh, we did, after all, kill off the woolly mammoths and the mastodons. But we also have the ability to not destroy everything around us. She finishes the book with ways in which we've already managed to save species that, without action, would, have, would already be gone. Uh, so those are my books for this week. Um, make sure you subscribe at the bottom of the page if you haven't already. And uh, if you enjoy this, please share. Um, also, the links in the post are all bookshop affiliate links, which means if you buy through there, I get a small kickback. Um, it would be great if you did that. Anything that you guys can do to support the work that I do here helps me do this without advertising and helps me do more and more and more of it. So thank you and have a nice day.